0: What's up, buds? Sending it back in along the left-hand side. 7.40 to go. Puck in front. Connolly with a chance. And they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Eller! Eller gets the rebound and puts it home. And Washington leads it. 4-3 with 7.37 to go. At the moment that he can potentially be the hero.
1: Welcome back to Japers Ring Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And uh, before I welcome Kevin Klein and Adam Stringham, who are both here to opine on the Washington Capitals, I want to real quick uh, just give uh, JP a... uh, massive credit for everything he does uh he is the one that re-recorded the intro and i think it sounds great and not only did he re-record the intro he did it in like eight separate ways so i can mix and match and it's really cool and also he does a lot of great work for the site and uh I guess great work being that he founded it, and uh, so there you go. So JP, uh, I sorry, I'm sorry I forgot to uh, give you credit before, but uh, hopefully this, this makes up for it a little bit. So uh, that being said, we're gonna we're gonna dive in. So uh, Adam, how are you doing today?
2: Oh, I'm good. You know, just just hanging in here, um, doing better in the caps. That I've done in uh, third periods, so that's for sure.
1: There you go. There you go. And uh, Kevin, how are you? Uh, how, are, how are you doing
0: lately? I, I'm doing great. I'm just laughing at Adam's incredible expertise at making sure that even his hello to the audience is topical and tied to the subject matter at hand. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me.
1: There you go. Well, nice. I mean, Adam is the real, real pro at hosting Jaybird's Rank Radio. I think uh, we all, we all, we all agree that I kind of pale in comparison to okay. his, uh, to his, uh, his shadow here. So uh, that, that being said, uh, Adam led me perfectly into the first topic that we're going to talk about, which is. Uh, the Caps have been playing really, really good hockey. I don't think anyone would really argue that. But they blew yet another lead last night uh, as we're recording this. Uh, they lost 5-2 to two to the New York Rangers after the Caps had two goals in the course of 10 minutes. And uh, Adam, I know that that was kind of frustrating to watch, but uh, that's that's yet another lead that's been blown by the Washington Capitals. So what's going on here?
2: Oh, uh, that's a great question. I mean, it's a, the one that I'm sure the team would love to pay someone lots of money to figure out for them. Maybe uh, they should just pay you. <laughs> yeah, wish. um wish. No, but, you know, it, it's, it's a good question because what we've seen with the team is a consistent difficulty in holding leads this year, right? This isn't exactly a, a new phenomenon for them, and it's um, it, it's just concerning right like what games have they been able to hold things out fully for the 60 minutes and it kind of looked like the rangers game the the second one that we're talking about here was maybe a bit less of a blown lead than it was kind of lackluster play for for vast stretches throughout the game because they also had a stretch like that in the first period um that that came back to bite them in in the butt They, they just didn't exactly look crisp um and so so I think in this instance it's a bit less of a overall thing I think this game they just didn't play that well altogether Um, that's kind of what we heard from the coaching staff as well following the game but um, I don't know I think Kevin's got some great answers for us about what the team does in general um, that kind of causes them to struggle so much with holding leads
1: yeah Kevin Kevin uh, the floor is yours
0: well, I, I wouldn't say that I have the answers so much as just a few observations. Um, and and to your point, Greg, the the team has been playing out of their mind for a little while here. And so uh, we're talking about this Rangers game that happened on Tuesday night, and they blew the 2-0 lead. And that's the first time... Uh, They've completely blown a lead in a little while. I think they they gave it their best shot in the previous game against the Rangers when they were up uh, four goals and ended up winning that game by by one. But to me, it felt like there was a little bit of a reprieve there, and it seemed like uh, the narrative around the blown leads had had calmed down a bit. And granted, they're playing lots of games against Buffalo and against New Jersey, etc. Sort of the weaker uh, the weaker side of the division. But now it's flaring up again uh, and, and we're quicker to say, OK, yeah, like this is this is definitely a problem. Um, and just in my sort of clicking around and looking at some stats about the caps and how they play with a lead, there are a few things that uh, really surprised me. A, um, if I told you that last night before the game, the caps led the league in goal rate with a lead, uh, would you have believed me? Because I wouldn't have believed me, but it's true. Um, And now, after last night, uh, the Rangers actually are the team that has scored the most goals with the lead. Um, So anyway, I thought that was an interesting uh, sort of challenge to how we're thinking about, oh, the Caps are playing like shit with the lead. Um, I don't know that they are necessarily... Uh, also, if you look at teams that have the lead a lot, like what percentage of the time does the team play with a lead? The Caps are up there at the top, which makes sense, right? I mean, they're they're one of the top points percentage teams in the league. Um, and if you look at other teams like the Tampa Bay's and the Toronto's and the Vegas's of the world, who also play with the lead that frequently. The, the caps as measured by expected goal percentage just as a sort of directional way to understand the quality of play uh, are way beneath that sort of uh, comparable like team level success. Um, and even more interesting than that is that all of these teams, whether their they're XG look great or their xg doesn't look so good expected goals doesn't look so good uh they all outperform it right so uh so tampa bay's expected goals percentage let's say it's like 54 they they outperform even that uh and so the caps are outperforming uh that expected goal while leading metric that you find on places like like natural stat trick um but but it's there's still a bar that's being set by other high-quality teams that the the Caps just aren't. Um, And I'm not going to sort of shatter any uh, preconceived notions here, or this isn't a revelation. Uh, They're just not getting goaltending. They're, like, last in the league in in save percentage with a lead. So uh, the the answer is they just need to get... They need to get more saves in big moments. Um, And, you know... Vitek Vanacek really hasn't been that guy. We've talked about it at length, um, and what he's done has been great and kept the team afloat to some degree when they needed it. Uh, but it's really, if if Samsonov wants to really run away with this thing, uh, if you can make a few more big saves and big moments and sustain that over time, that's what's going to do the trick. It's going to stop the leads uh, from being frittered away, and, uh, and it will solidify his position in that. So sorry, that was rambly, but. (laughs) No,
1: that makes sense. I mean, you you basically, uh, you articulated in a lot better of a way that where I was kind of going to go with it, which is basically that in order to have, in order to blow leads, you have to have leads. And uh, the Caps are really good at having leads. Like they, it's like, as you said, like they're one of the best teams in hockey and kind of one of the things that we just always see across the league is, Teams go into shells. I, like even even great teams have that have that happen every once in a while. And I think it's you know like I, I, you you look at it down the line. And I don't know JP and I have and and Kevin we've all kind of discussed this in Slack a little bit that you look at even aside from just goal share but shot share the Caps actually do pretty well with the lead. It's not they're not bad. It just feels like they're doing worse because. I, like, I mean, lately it's been Vitek that's had kind of his ups and downs and uh, maybe maybe Sammy might be running away with this. But it, I don't know. I, I guess, Adam, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch the goaltending question to you this way. Um, do you think there is a leader in terms of the caps and like, do they have a number one goalie right now? And if they do, what are you kind of hoping for to see from them? And uh, before we start saying, oh, maybe they don't need to show up the position at the trade deadline.
2: Uh, I think it's got it's Samsonov. Uh, I think it's I don't know if it's a pedigree thing or or, or what, but certainly uh, he benefited from being pushed a little bit by Vanacek. But you know he looks like a guy that was picked in the first round, and that's how he's been playing recently. Uh, granted, the third period against the Rangers wasn't great in the uh, weekend game. But in general, he's he's looked solid and uh, he was the guy that was slated to be the guy of the future. And he's the reason they felt confident not uh, retaining Braden Holpe, which turned out to be the 100 percent correct decision for the Capitals. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, you know, they, they had an option. Like, they they could have tried to keep Holpe. Right. I mean, they made the decision to keep him um, and move Grubauer just a few years before that. And obviously Grubauer is now immensely successful in Colorado. Um, But kind of getting back to your original question, uh, it's definitely Samsonov. Uh, The Capitals don't have any room to go acquire uh, a veteran goaltender. And frankly, um, I think they're going to have to make do with what they have. And and it's not like there are a lot of goaltenders available that make you really feel great. Um, The the best goaltender available would be Henrik Lundqvist if the doctors say he's healthy enough to play. Besides that, I don't have a ton of interest in, in the other guys that are on the market.
1: And so, so Kevin, uh, are, are you kind of in the same place in terms of not really feeling like there's a goalie out there that could be a good big upgrade? Because I know I looked at this, and I mean, the the pickings are pretty slim. Like, I mean, do you want to bet on the like Devin Dubnik maybe not being that bad? I yeah, that's not exactly the road I want to go down. But do do you think there's a there's a move here that could make sense, or are you kind of comfortable with where Samsonov is right now?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm. More than that, I'm comfortable with him, really. Uh, I'd like to see him kind of take the net and use this last stretch of the season to shore it up, and my comfort level uh, will be higher. Uh, But there's nobody who's out there who represents uh, a potential reward that's worth the risk of, like, stunting Samsonov further, or even just the risk of not starting... Your best goaltender because you went and you acquired this other new object um so acquisition of a goalie who's not currently in the organization is it really doesn't interest to me and, and i'm in full agreement with strength that uh, Lundqvist does represent a compelling third option here, which is, uh, hey, if he gets the green light, yeah, I want the king in there challenging Samsonov and and potentially uh, winning that job for the playoffs because he's the fucking king. And, uh, like, who doesn't want to see Chara Ovechkin and Henrik Lundqvist out there in the same jersey uh, competing for a cup? I mean... Like, I'm not a big narrative guy, but that one is just too good to pass up. Um, but just on Samsonov in general and whether I think he's he's the guy and what this team is doing in the goaltender position in general, I think we've seen the needle shift over the last, um, let's call it, three, four games. Um, and, and that Samsonov has more firm control of the net now than he has at any point up until now. Um, and I think back to his, that game... I want to say it was against the Devils, uh, and Vanek sort of, he, he misplayed the puck and just right in front of the net and the Devils picked it up and scored to open the scoring. And then uh, he gave up two other pretty bad goals and the Caps ended up winning that game four to three, um, in spite of Vanacek. Uh, it was a really, really ugly performance by him. And then the next day Samsonov came out, uh, was was lights out. Got I think his second career shutout. Yep. Um. In a game that was four zero on the scoreboard at the end. Uh. But I didn't think that that was particularly reflective of what was going on, especially in the early goings of that game. Uh. And so, so Sammy playing that well on the heels of Vanacek playing so poorly, and I think Samsonov kind of being the presumptive better player in the eyes of the organization in general, uh, really moved the needle. And and nothing we've seen since then uh, has changed that. I thought when the Caps won 5-4 on Sunday, Samsonov, he was really good in the first two and then that all the third period stuff happened. um, And kind of similar but reversed yesterday. um, I didn't think that uh, Vanacek was was particularly bad. I didn't think that the loss was a symptom of him by any means, uh, but he didn't do anything to swing the needle back in the other direction.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's it's pretty clear that it, it, at least with the margins and how how tight it is in the NHL these days, like you sometimes a goalie can. The goalie battle can be won as many times by making maybe the saves that you wouldn't expect a goalie to make versus just the ones that you would. And I, I look at Samsonov against the Devils, where he made a number of outstanding saves and kind of bailed out the Capitals there. And I mean, text done that on occasion, but he's not exactly a guy that you would say— Oh, he's the—he's gonna be that kind of goalie that could go—that uh, could kind of skate out of his shoes for for a few uh, for a few periods there. But speaking of a player that is skating out of his shoes, a, that, I'm gonna give myself a C plus for that transition. Uh, there you go. Uh, but um, I, Alex Ovechkin uh, is doing things at 35 that he was doing at 25, at least if you kind of look at like his overall shot rate and the way he's scoring goals and everything like that. And uh Adam, I mean, this is remarkable to watch, right? Like what, what is going on with Ovechkin? And uh I, do you think he has, he has a shot to maybe catch the Matthews and, and McDavid's to, to make a run at this rocker Richard, or do you think it's maybe a little too little, too little too late?
2: I mean, he, he definitely has a shot. I mean, it's funny. Rob was kind of talking about it last time he was on the show about how with Ovechkin, you know, if he's within 10 goals or so, like, it's possible. Anything's possible. Um, you know, there were a few years in a row where he went off and scored, I think, something like 10 goals over a three-game stretch or, you know, something like that. He, he's done crazy things. Usually those crazy stretches were at the very beginning of the season, if I'm remembering them correctly. But he's he's looked great. Um, I mean, in terms of goal scoring, I know there were a lot of people on Twitter upset with how he was playing last night. Um, you know, I, I thought he kind of, look mediocre average I I didn't think it was a particularly bad game for Ovechkin uh, when talking about this second Rangers game but um, he's doing amazing things I mean every time we start to write him off whether it's people that are nationally or people that are locally uh, including sometimes even maybe people on the podcast myself included might think that okay maybe this time maybe we're finally really seeing him slow down he then kind of comes back and um, does stuff like he's done over the last month. I mean, closed a 12-goal gap, I believe, down to five in less than 30 calendar days or something like that. So just just really impressive and um, a, a joy to watch. I mean, it's nice to see him start scoring from the OV spot again, even if it isn't necessarily on the power play. Um, and it's hard not to appreciate all of the great memes we've gotten over the last week with Ovechkin closing in on the goal lead. Um, I've certainly enjoyed them.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the Simpsons meme in particular with, uh, with Todd and, uh, who's, who's the other Flanders kid I'm blanking, but, uh, the, uh, yeah. So that, that's one that definitely comes to mind, but, um, I guess Kevin, I, I, what's been remarkable for me is, uh, we've kind of in, in past years talked about, uh, Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov when they played together. They're, uh, I yeah, you know, I I don't think you would exactly say they're lighting the world of fire defensively, but uh this year when they've been playing together, they've been pretty good. And uh I you know I know that when I had uh when I had Peter on uh last week and we were kind of talking about this a little bit, but kinda of what are you seeing with those two playing together and uh, why do you think it's working this year?
0: Uh well I'm I'm seeing tremendous offensive production uh and And one guy, Alex Ovechkin, who's continuing the uh, expectation exceeding performance, uh, if you think about just sort of the expectations around uh, his decline and everybody seeming to wait for it and it just never coming. So that's continued another year, and uh, that's always what I'm hoping for every year. Kuznetsov is a different story. Kuznetsov is a guy who we saw uh, the potential – on an individual basis, but also the potential of when he's playing at the top of his game, what it could mean for the Caps, which was obviously culminating in a cup run. Um, and uh, if those two guys are going and you can knock uh, Backstrom down to the second line uh, and, and play him with uh, TJ Yoshi and uh, Jake Vrana, you know, ideally. Uh, though, you know, the the jury's still out there, I guess. I mean, you've just got uh, an awesome, productive, efficient uh, top six. So, you know, I don't really have any X's and O's observations. I would just say that the way that the lineup is structured, when you can put Ovi and uh, Kuzi together and have them be net net positive uh, in a goal scoring, which they should be uh then then it just helps all the chips fall into place, and I look at the lineup right now, and I think it looks great, top to bottom. I'm just like, yeah this is this is a competitive roster with no glaring holes. Um, in years past, we see, uh maybe go, oh yeah, they really are desperate for for a top four defenseman or they're really desperate for uh somebody more skilled on the third line wing or something like that. And uh, I just – I don't really see it this year, and that's largely uh, on account of uh, Ovi and Kuzi being able to produce on the top line the way that you expect a top line to produce. Um, But, I mean, just to kind of talk about Ovi a little bit more, I mean, bet against this guy at your own peril. Uh, What is he? He's 34, turning 35, and – or is he 35 already? I forget. He's 35. Yeah, so 35 coming up on 36, and the guy is the guy is third in the league in five on five goal scoring, like yep. by by rate. Uh, I mean, just incredible, and that's with a slow start. So, uh, do I think that he can catch uh, Matthews and uh, McDavid was the other one? I uh, I yeah, I have,
1: yeah, the, I think I think they're one two right now.
0: I have to confess that my uh out of the uh. The Mass Mutual Division, title Vision, <laughs> has taken hold of me. I've what, it's been, easier
1: this year because none because you don't you don't we don't see McDavid or uh, Matthews, not huh?
0: you, you see him if you're watching the highlight reels, that's for sure. But just that's in awesome. terms of like league awareness, uh, but anyway, yeah, of course, I, I of course I think that he can catch them. Uh, but this year has got me thinking about Gretzky again. To be honest with you, I yep. think all the all of those lost games from COVID, um. Like it felt like the the dream was slipping away, right? It's like how can he do this? And then he just comes back out and he, he hasn't missed a step and he's still the same guy that he's been for the last five, six years where he just wins Rocket Richard after Rocket Richard. Um, and he's doing it at even strength, right? Um, and and he's got a, a lot more goals in front of the net, I believe, like shorter shorter goal distance. And you start thinking again, yeah, this guy isn't really declining. Uh, I think the only thing that's standing in his way is uh, how much he wants it. Does he want it enough to stay in the league for as long as it's going to take to get it? Uh, Because you could see him, you know, five years down the line, maybe the production does fall off to a point where he's only getting 12 to 15 goals a year or something. And then he's got to maintain that for another three, four years to hit that 894 mark. Does he want to do that? Uh, How important is it to him? You know, I think... Those questions are the more apt line of inquiry about will Alex Ovechkin do it than anything having to do with his actual uh, physical ability.
1: Yeah, and uh, and Adam, I think at least for me, it's like, I, I know we we had talked to Corey a little bit about this, and Corey thinks he can catch him uh, as long as Corey has the right goal number on his head. Uh, I you know I think that. I think for me, I'm going to be really curious to see what his next contract with the Caps looks like, because I, you know, if it comes out and it's like five, six years and he's, you know, if at the end of that, he's like 20 or 30 goals away, you got to think that there is going to be. At least some pressure, although who knows how how susceptible he is to it. To kind of just say, all right, let's stick around for another couple of years and get this record. But I don't know. Like I, I do you do you think he? We we never really got your opinion. Do you think
2: he can catch Kratzky? Oh yeah. I mean, well, I think he can do it now. Yeah. Uh, for the reasons Kevin kind of mentioned, and and that's certainly been the the thing that's been in the back of my mind when I'm watching him kind of get back and score all these goals recently to, to really up that kind of goals per game of, of the season. It's uh, encouraged me that it's still in reach, uh, even with all these lost games. I mean, it, it's it's doable. He can really do this, and uh, I hope he does. I mean, it'd it obviously be fantastic for the Caps to win another Stanley Cup, but um, may, maybe the only thing that would come close to that it, it would be Ovechkin getting that record. I mean, that, that – um, Pardon me even once i to get the record more. So it's uh, certainly something. I mean, just
0: think about that. Yeah. Just think about it for a second. If he were to do it, to score that many goals in this era, wearing the same Jersey the whole time, are you yeah. kidding me? And it's the Jersey that I have hanging in my closet too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean th- that, that will cure certain medical conditions in certain people.
1: If that <laughs> <would be. laughs> so, so I, I I don't want to, you know, uh, let's see, uh, you know, I, I don't want to start comparing Alex Ovechkin to Jesus here, but you know, I think, uh, you know, I think you're, 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 you're leading us, you're leading us on the water here, Kevin, which I enjoy. So, uh, you know, whenever, whenever we can have that kind of content in a Japers Rink uh, radio podcast, I'm always going to be for it. Uh, but with that, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, uh, we're going to talk real quick about the trade deadline and uh, the bottom of the Caps lineup. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Jay Persianic Radio. I'm still here with Kevin Klein and Adam Stregob. And uh, Kevin, I, I want to talk about the bottom of the lineup. And I'm going to put this in the pantheon of good problems to have, which is it seems like the Caps have 13 NHL forwards and 12 NHL jobs. And uh, last night with Lars Eller being healthy and uh, in the lineup, Richard Ponick was the one that got the healthy scratch. So... I kind of, how are you seeing this competition shake up? And is there anyone in particular you would want to to keep out of the lineup on a regular basis, or do you think it should kind of rotate?
0: Yeah, I, I wrote about this uh, a few weeks ago, I think maybe a week ago. Um, my position is in Lavi. I trust he's done such a great job that um, you know I think that he deserves the benefit of the doubt, and he'll make the appropriate roster decisions at the end of the day um, based on my own observations and study of uh, the data that's available to us. I like Sprong, Daniel Sprong, and what he brings to the lineup and think that they should be finding reasons to have him in there rather than not in there. So last night we saw Richard Ponick take a seat in favor of Sprung. Um I, I think that, you're not icing your best players when you make that decision. I think that Richard Ponick is a better player than Garnet Hathaway. And I think you can justify um, either having Sprong or Ponick on the fourth line instead of Hathaway. And obviously, Hathaway represents some of his more conventional fourth liner traits, grit and sandpaper, and all of that. But uh, the caps will be fine if you swap in a little bit more skill and playmaking ability. Um, for and and lose a little bit of what hathaway brings i think that the more uh the more salient observation about hathaway is that he kills penalties uh, and and sprong doesn't uh so i don't know i think you just ask sprong to to kill penalties or you or you ask somebody else to step in um it's not like hathaway was getting huge penalty minutes i think he's uh he's what he's like the fifth or sixth forward in, in penalty kill ice time. Uh, and, and he has the unfortunate habit of taking a ton of penalties too. Uh, and, and that's a bigger problem for the Caps, right? So anything that they can do to get an edge uh, and get the penalty differential flipping in the other direction, I think would be a huge benefit as well. Uh, but, but Sprong's shooting percentage is so high and uh, he's certainly a candidate for some sort of regression. Um, but he's he has a pretty healthy uh track record of of shooting i think his his career shooting percentage is around 12 percent which is uh alex ovechkin's number and nobody's saying daniel sprong is alex ovechkin Uh, but i think if you put a guy who can produce down the lineup the way that he does uh, i really like having that as a part of a a lineup construction sort of more than just a guy like garnet hathaway who you know i love him but guys like him are a dime a dozen taking back Sunday reference for any of the listeners who are of my age. Uh, <laughs> but let's, uh, let's hear strings take on it.
1: Yeah. Go, go ahead. Uh, string I, uh, I, I will say, I can't believe that, uh, Anyone would imply that I had my doubts about Peter LaViolette. I I, I never I I uh, I cringe at the person who would have that kind of take, uh, particularly one that's expressed in a uh, internal chat. But, uh, Adam, uh, I I, I've heard comparisons of Daniel Sprong to Brett Connolly in an extent in terms of just kind of guys who are maybe going to always shoot a little bit better and uh, are maybe more finishers. But is do do you have a preference in terms of who who sits and who doesn't?
2: Uh, you know, I'd like to see Sprong in the lineup. He he's he's kind of got that game-changing ability uh, with that shot. He, I think the Brett Connolly comparison is interesting, just because, you know, it feels like Connolly was just a bigger-framed guy, and I don't even know if that's accurate. Just watching them play, it feels like Sprong's a bit more slippery, while you know Connolly kind of reminds me a bit of Eric Fair with just kind of his size and and how he played. But uh, well, that's not even fair either, because Eric Fair was good at possession and Connolly wasn't. So uh but Connelly scored goals and that's what we're seeing from Daniel Sprong right now. And, uh, for, for me, it's hard to take him out of the lineup. Um, he's certainly been productive whenever he's been in. He's scoring at an elite rate and hopefully his goal scoring doesn't drop uh, off at the same rate as the Capitals, other elite rate scorer, Jacob Rana, who basically has been a no show. <laughs> like he's that. not been
1: an elite scorer lately.
2: That, that Exactly. So, um, you know, th- things can come and go. Um, uh, I, I think if Sprung cools down, he will certainly be back on the bench. It, I, I'm not sure Laviolette loves him. Um, uh, that's just my gut take because it felt like he played relatively well earlier in the season and, and was still able to find his way onto the bench. Um, but I, I think it really is for the reasons that Kevin's kind of outlined, which is just um, how Laviolette wants to run his roster and what he wants to see out of the bottom six. So, yeah. um you know, I'm not going to be up in arms about Sprong, but uh, I think he's certainly proved to be a valuable piece. Um, and the Capitals got him for a bargain. So.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, real, real, real quick with the emphasis on real quick. Uh, Kevin, uh, 30 seconds or less. Do you think the Caps need anyone at the deadline? And uh, if so, what should they go for?
0: No, I don't think that they need anyone. The only person that they should go for, if. He were to become available, which he is, is Jack Eichel, and that has yeah. nothing to do with the current roster construction so much as it has to do with when Jack Eichel, an elite young top center, becomes available, you try to get him. Sure, that makes that's, sense. That's the rule. Yep.
1: Yep. There's uh there's no no you can't you can't pay enough for star talent at least it seems like in the league. Uh, string uh real quick anyone anyone you want?
2: No, I mean I, I think the caps are they're so cap constrained and there aren't a lot of glaring holes right now in the roster. I mean, the the most important thing now, uh, which is really surprising to say is they got to get Vrana going again. Um, I mean, he's has enough trouble scoring in the playoffs as it is. Uh, I I imagine if he's coming in ice cold, that won't exactly help his confidence when uh, I'm sure as a player, he's aware of how he's struggled, uh, in the postseason.
1: Yeah. That makes sense to me. All right. Well, uh, we're, with that, we're gonna we're gonna call wraps here. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Japers Rink Radio, and uh, thanks again for JP for uh, for doing the intro. If you like the show, please uh, rate, write, subscribe, review. Uh, Kevin, real quick, where can people find you and your uh, your various musings?
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at sickunbelievable, and anything I write is going to be right here at JPersRink.com. There you go. And uh,
1: Stringham, where can people find you and uh, your your various musings?
2: Uh, on Twitter at Stringham A.
1: There you go. And you can find me at Greg Y underscore J-R and you can find the show at uh, at J Prisoner Radio. And uh, thank you for listening and uh, stay tuned because next week, uh, I believe I will not be here, but we're going to have uh, Chris Watkins on and uh, that's always exciting.
0: So uh, with that, uh, thank you for listening and uh, stay tuned for next week.